just trying to clock in on the money now. It's not about the yeah. story. It's not about... It's about the franchise. It is. How do you know you're not copying someone's style you've seen? I feel like YouTube and streaming services are the way it's going to end up going. Is Hollywood dead? It used to be alive. Don't make films to make money. Yeah, make, make money, money to, to make, make films. films. And then the rest will follow. If you blocked everyone out and you made something and then you thought that was brilliant, then put it out and then everyone will love it. It's so hard to get started. It is. But that doesn't mean you should, you should get, get started. Most people, if not all people, are born creative. Yeah. You're either a creator of content or you're or a you, consumer. Yeah. I feel like creative people are always work harder than everyone else, no matter what they're doing. Welcome back to The Calling. Today you're listening to episode five, where I sit down with Josh Esteban, a freelance filmmaker much like myself. We discuss how to start as a creative, why films are so important, the future of the film industry in general and Hollywood and all that, and how to brand yourself properly, as well as many, many other topics. So without further ado, here's the podcast. Here I am. I'm on Here the you show. are. Here you are. You're finally on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um... I want to start off with, both of us are filmmakers. Indeed we are. Right, both creatives. Um, why does everybody love a film? I've not met one person who just says, I hate films. Why do people love films? I feel like it's the same reason people still like books to this day. Like, it's an outdated thing, if you mm. think about it. Okay. But it's also like, a film's always going to be an amazing piece of entertainment. Yeah. But you've got the, the visual mm. aspect of it, mm. cinematography, like nice shot stuff like that yeah you've got the audio aspect mm-hmm. like there's some films that are out there that are just brilliant because they're sound design okay and then you've got the obviously the storytelling which is the main part well the storytelling is key yeah that is like if, you, if you're gonna make a film just don't you've got a crap story just absolutely <laughs> this this ties in with my idea of you need to create art that is timeless yeah that's why when people look at the mona lisa they're still impressed because yeah. it, it's, a it's, great, still it's a great masterpiece well, right it holds up Whereas, you know, if you make some substandard work, eventually in 100 years, nobody's going to care. I mean, 100 years is too long. But I mean, well, yeah, even but less than that. Well, yeah. I mean, there are trends, but when you watch a Charlie Chaplin film mm-hmm. that is decades old, it's still great because the story's there and it's still funny because it's, it's um, yeah, storytelling is like, it's like a medium that's been used for thousands of years to pass information down. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be used... 2,000 years ago, and, and it, it, it was used in the form of parables of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? It's still storytelling. It still counts as storytelling. But yeah, it's definitely progressed into films now, and people love it. I think it's because people can see themselves in characters as well. I mean, yeah, I, I can agree with that, because, you know, when you're a little kid and you go to see a superhero film, mm. you just sat there like, oh, you walk out mm. of Spider-Man, suddenly you're going... That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when I watch Game of Thrones and you see Jon Snow and you're like, I want to be Jon Snow. Yeah. I want to be an honest guy. But that's how you know they've done a good job. If you want to be yeah. a character, then yeah, it's then a good, it's a well-written character. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, no, that's a, that's a good point because you want to be the character, and that also ties in with when you're creating a film, mm-hmm. you have this responsibility on you. Yeah. In that, is you're not just creating a film for yourself. People are watching this film, and you have to make it with a good message. You have to create a mm-hmm. good message. Because films can be used for propaganda purposes. They can change an entire perception of a culture. 
you know. And that's Germany. Yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect example. Hitler. But use, use him to his advantage. Let's just say that. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. But um the example I want to use is Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. And he's created great films. Black yes. KK Klansman. Yeah, right. That was a good film. That was a great film. And he uses films to, you know, represent black people in sort of struggle struggle that they've had to go that they've had to go through um, throughout times in history. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a great form of art to get that across in a film. Because if you read it in a in a news article, people are gonna be like, Oh, okay. But when you watch for a film, you're you emotionally can, yeah. invested into something. It's, it's different to reading because, like, when you're reading, you're you're thinking of it yourself. You're like you're making mm. the expressions of these people. Like you kind of all imagine it in your head. But what I found when you, if you're reading something, or yep. if like, basically, yeah, if you if you're reading or if you're like mm. learning something, yep. I found that basically it's a it's a film in your head. Yeah. So like, if I'm reading the book, I, I've created this story in my head. Yep. I can see yep. what's going on. Yeah. I feel like films just that's not in your head anymore. It's now everyone can see it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you can see where I'm coming from in that you have a great responsibility as a filmmaker yeah. to, to create good content because it's going to influence people even on a subconscious level when you watch I mean, something. You have a, you have like a responsibility to not make anything like too... Oh, anything, not just films. Yeah, yeah no, just like anything in general, not anything too risky that's going to like sway mm. people one way or the other. It's like, yeah, well, it's, it's very basic. It's like if you create a product, you create a phone, mm-hmm. right? you need to make sure that your users aren't going to have a phone blowing up in their hands, exactly. right? You still have that responsibility. You, you need to be, like, morally, like, okay about it. You, you, can't, oh yeah, yeah. you can't just go, like, into something. Let's mm. go, let's, you can't go into a film, yeah. make it about, I don't know, how ISIS are really bad or something like that. Yeah. Terrible example. I just thought of it off the top of my head. Yeah. And uh, then show it to, like, I don't know. What's that, what's that racist group in the UK called? Oh. no idea. Show it to the NDL, uh, no. Oh, the EDL. The EDL, oh, the EDL. Yeah. Show it to them. Obviously, they're going to agree with it. Show it to everyone else, and they're not. Mm. So, I, I've gone on a tangent here, but the point being, the point being, you have a responsibility. Yeah, you have as a, a very. Filmmaker. Yeah, you can't just go in trying to trying to impress one one set of people. That's so true. That's so true. Um, I'm going to ask you the hardest question you can ask a filmmaker, which is, "What is your favorite film, yeah, and why?" Okay. Uh, my favorite film of all time, mm. Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. Yeah, tell me why. Why? I think it's just it's the writing. It's not the film's good. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's dated now because it's like nineties, I believe it was made. Yeah, but the, it's the writing. It's how it's loads of stories. Mm-hmm. They all happen out out of like linear on, on a timeline. They're all yeah, yeah. everywhere scattered, mm-hmm. and then they all meet back up in the middle at the end, and then it caps off. It's okay. the most satisfying thing to watch. Okay. It's, it's like putting a jigsaw together, but exactly. you haven't had to do any work for it. Exactly. It's like if you went to do a jigsaw, yeah. and you looked at all the pieces, and you're like, oh, this is what's going on here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they all just go into what? Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> they tend to do that in uh, in love films a lot. I don't know if you notice that. Love Actually, Crazy Stupid Love. They have these gr- different timelines, and they all come together they at the end. Together, yeah. And you're like, damn, I didn't see that. Quentin Tarantino should make a love film. Probably not. He's only doing <laughs> two more films, isn't he? He's, he's All of his characters would die, yeah. probably. Everyone <laughs> dies. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, it's The Matrix. The Matrix. For a couple of reasons. There are, there are a couple of things that make a great film to me. First of all, is the storytelling. Yep. And because The Matrix is based on a philosophy, mm-hmm. that's what makes the story so great. It's because 
uh, it's relatable because mm. people live very ordinary lives. They just yeah. do the same thing every single day, like the Matrix, right? Those cut targets the everyday man. Everyone now is invested in the Matrix. Absolutely, but also there are some crazy cinematography techniques that they used in that film. It's cutting edge. It was like so they were really pushing the bar up. Oh, absolutely. So you know that scene where Neo is dodging all these bullets, mm-hmm. and Bullet th- th- they got like. 200 DSLRs next yeah, to each other. Yeah, lined them all up. Lined them up around him. Yep. And they took stills and they just moved it around so it looked like yeah, the camera was like moving the at super going, high speed. But really all that's happening is it's going through the pictures. Yeah. And I think when when there's a certain shot in a film, they're like, how the hell did you do that? Yeah. Like, that's that's what I love about film. Mm. But about filmmaking. But the problem today is uh, that doesn't happen no, as often. And when that. it happens, it's animation. Yeah. Or it's, it's even if it's practical and yeah. it's happened... It's overlooked because you yeah. just think CGI is definitely can't CGI, be done. yeah, that's the problem. Because CGI day, is you can do it. Because I mean, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but there is some behind-the-scenes footage of Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. when he was doing a certain film where it looked like there was this whole huge hole in in the floor, right. right? But actually, what he did was he literally pretty much drew on a piece of glass, put it and in put front, it front of the, the camera. He's a genius. And it looks like there's this massive gaping hole. And like it's stuff like that. It's just like genius. And that's what really makes film when you when you can make something genius. I feel so like film like film industry's kind of just lost sort of its magic. Okay, go ahead. If you so basically films these days, you'll get you'll get the occasional one that'll slip through the net and it'll be like a it'll be a good film, be um, a beautiful piece of work. For me for me, I don't know if you've seen it, but that was the Green Book or Green Book. Green Book. Uh, who's in it? Um it's oh, it's Aragon from Lord of the Rings, I don't know his name. But <laughs> but basically, that film had no CGI or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was based on a true story of like a black man and, a, and an Italian back in New York mm-hmm. in like the 1920s or something. And what I loved about it was it was just so real. It was a real story, no CGI or anything fancy, just really well paced. And I think that's what Hollywood is lacking today. Yeah. We've got so many superhero films it's like the... They're just trying to clock in on the money now. It's not about the yeah. story. It's not about... It's about the franchise. It is. It's about how much money can we make off this this one film alone. Yeah. yeah. yeah like we've missed the golden age. I wish I was born. Do you think? Yeah. I feel like the golden age was late 60s to late 80s. Okay. And then it cut off. 80, I love it. Yeah, 80s like films are great. 80s. I don't think I've seen one 80... Uh, that's a lie. Okay. <laughs> 80s... The majority, the vast majority yeah. of 80s films, <clears throat> brilliant. No matter how weird mm-hmm. they are, Breakfast Club, for example, mm. I, I was going into that thinking, what am I? Why am I watching this? Yeah, came out of it. It was a lot better than I thought it'd be. Was it the best film I've ever seen? No. What the Breakfast Club? Yeah. Well, it has no it has no real story to it. It's just a good film. It's just a good film, <laughs> but the characters are well written, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's true. Um, you want to become a director, is that right? Yeah, pretty much the same. Feature here. film director. Yeah. That's the goal. But what people need to realize is. If you want to be a so-called filmmaker, mm-hmm. in brackets, there are so many roles to a film it's, yeah. that, that you have no idea of. And you have to play all the parts. Yeah, but be, be, being a director is you need to know enough of everything, but, but you yeah. can't specialise in one area, really. So you need to, uh, as a director, you need to understand what everyone is capable of doing, mm. what their jobs are, yeah. what they have to do, and then... But you need to know not every how all the ins and outs. Not everybody should be a director, nor should they want to be a director, because... No. You've got things like producers. Yeah. So you're in charge of... of every, Even the director. Of pretty much everything. Yeah, you need to... How the hell are these actors going to be yeah. paid and how are they going to get fed every day? We wouldn't have films like producers at the end of the day. No. And, and you know, they're so, they're so... 
underrated. Yeah. It's, it's like it's people think director, he's the main man. Thing is, I've noticed that in filmmaking, everything's looked over unless they're the main actor, mm. side obviously side characters. Yeah. Directors might not even be mentioned in most films. Yeah. And then every now and then, if it's like a Quentin Tarantino film, he's obviously a really big name, so you're going into that film knowing it's his. Yeah. But if you, I don't know, pluck a random film. Because, yeah, I mean, the way it is, is if you're a director, you, you're in charge of the story itself. Mm-hmm. But without the producer, you've got no you've got story nothing. because you can't have the actors to come in. You, you can't, can't show your story actors. without the direct, without yeah. the producer, sorry. Yeah, and the producers get everything like they get the... Um, they get the rights to use a certain mm-hmm. location, stuff like that. It's stuff like legal stuff. You need to all know. You, all you need to do, is, all you need to know, if you want to be a film director or work in the film industry, yeah. your best friends are the producer because they will buy everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. But th- I mean, there are even things like being a gaffer, mm. which is like just taping no, wires up. Yeah. And but also knowing how to how to light yeah. rooms up properly. I mean, even now we've got a lighting setup mm-hmm. and um, nice big soft. Nice big softbox, get the nice skin tones, (laughs) exactly. But it's stuff like that you need to know because people think it's just holding a camera and using it, right? But then you. you It's (laughs) not just that. You have to add in the Foley sound effects. There's. If if you've ever seen a film and it had sound in it, the majority of that sound, if not all the sound, was not there when they filmed it. Absolutely. Even if they had like a boom mic on set, they probably didn't even use that audio. They probably just replaced it all. I know that I've done that in films. Mm. Yeah. I, I mm. when when I first learned that that blew my mind. How much do you think it comes down to the equipment you're using? I think that's to be honest, I think it's bullshit. I don't do think you? I feel like if you're going into filmmaking and you're like, oh, I want to get this really good camera, and after I get this camera, I'm gonna be an amazing filmmaker. Mm. That's not how it works, guys. Like, that's just not how it works. Yeah, like I can think of countless films that are terrible. They had beautiful, amazing equipment for the yeah. time. Yeah, terrible films doesn't didn't make it a good film because they had a good camera. That's true. Like the same thing if you're starting out and you're making. Let's say you're going to make a short film. You save up to buy this really, really expensive, like top of the line camera. Harry. <laughs> yeah, red maybe. I don't know anything. Yeah, and uh, then you go. You make your film. Terrible film because all you did was put work into getting the camera. You didn't put work into the film, <coughs> the actual yep. story, the cinema. It's more about the writing and yeah. the story yeah. than any equipment. Mm-hmm. Get, think of the equipment last. For me, for me, it's sort of a love-hate relationship. As you know, I've got a lot of equipment. But it does. I'm currently sat in a room with more equipment than <laughs> my entire college <laughs> probably has. But f- for me, like it, it sort of does matter about equipment because you can get certain shots that people haven't seen before. Oh yeah, no, don't get me wrong. Grabs their attention. But I agree that the story is key. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to using a camera... So long as you have a camera that has manual settings, that's all you need. Yeah, because if, you, if you're just working with like an i, basically, I've I've seen people try and make films on iPhones. Yeah. Firstly, if you're gonna do that, don't. <laughs> it's an iPhone. It might be. It might say it's 4K, but it's only about a 14 megapixel sensor. So mm. not gonna actually be 4K. Um, it's not manual. You can't control anything. I'm pretty. I know mm. you can get apps on iPhones that yeah. you can change all the settings, and yeah. but it's not really. It's it's not it's not true filmmaking. Just. Get a manual camera, even if it's just a crap DSLR that's like from eBay. Yeah, that's like years old. I buy most of my stuff from eBay today. I'm telling you, yeah. one, one of oh, the worst it's mistakes. The best place to get things. One of the worst mistakes I made as a filmmaker early on is buying new equipment. Never buy new equipment. I found this out the hard way <laughs> because I was spending thousands. Yeah, and I mean this camera that we're filming on now costs mm-hmm. like two thousand for the body, and then like a thousand for the lens, which is insane because you can buy you can buy yeah. the whole kit from eBay from a thou- for like a thousand pounds today. 
And uh, yeah, I've saved thousands just from buying stuff. Just because it's used doesn't mean it's old. Like as long as obviously be don't be don't be an idiot about it. Like if it's a camera yeah. lens that doesn't work and it's got a massive scratch down the middle, yeah. don't buy it. Yeah. But if it's perfectly working order, absolutely. You may as well just save yourself how mu- however much it is. It's usually significant. Are there any pieces of equipment that you would recommend not getting, or what would you recommend getting? Like what are your best Ooh. and worst pieces okay. of equipment? Best piece of equipment. Uh, Canon L series lenses, yeah, because they're, like they're cheap. They're, but they're good. They they're cheap for what they are. Yeah, like don't get me wrong, they're still expensive. If you if you're not into camera equipment or you're just getting into it, they're probably expensive. But they're cheaper than like cine lenses, which are like a few a few grand oh, worth. Ridiculous amounts. Like have you, I held a cine lens and I instantly put it down because I did not want to drop it and have to pay for they it. They get like twenty thousand pounds right. for a cine lens for a proper one. A, ca- a nice like Canon one as well, or even just just any standard cine lens. Doesn't yeah, have to be brand. Sony ones are expensive. Yeah, pretty much. Et- just don't get a Sony lens unless, like, you know, you're on a massive budget and you know. Yeah, you'll be able to press the record button. Yeah. Oh. Wicked. We're rolling. Right. We're back. <laughs> so, so best piece of equipment. Yeah. Uh, twenty-four to one hundred five. <laughs> uh, f-stop. I think it's two point five. I want to say that pretty much covers everything. Yep. That's the nice. That, that's like. Almost the lowest. The lowest lens I think I've had with my 50 mil that can go to 1.8. Yeah. But I wish I wish Canon would make a lens that goes 1.8. It's like a nice. Uh, yeah. I've I've got this lens which is goes down to 1.2, but you only need that for night time. Yeah. You know? Like the only reason I would want a lens that goes to like 1.5 or 1.2 is when I don't know if you ever made a film at night. I made a whole short film at night. Worst thing I've done because I had a lens that can only go to like yeah. 4.8. <laughs> I just had to film and everywhere. And there you was can't light. bump your ISO yeah. up because then it looks even then it worse. Looks like a potato filmed it, and there's no point <laughs> in getting that really expensive <laughs> camera. So, what are the worst pieces? What's of the worst piece of equipment I've ever had? Oh god, there's countless. To be fair, um, oh, uh, I'd have to go with not the worst piece of equipment because, like, I've got use out of it. Yeah, but I don't use it as much as my, my main rig. Yep, GoPro. Okay, I can. I this is where I 100% agree with you because GoPros. Are uh, it I seems like a beautiful event. The only reason to get a GoPro, if like you're not a filmmaker, or even if you are a filmmaker, is mm. if you like, I don't know, if you're doing a ma- if you're constantly doing like sports, like mountain biking, surfing, yep. stuff like that, where you know, or like diving. If you're like a, a full time diver, yeah. See, there are some people like Devin Graham who always use GoPros because they're using point of view shots, yeah. and it's very difficult to get that with DSLR. I mean, you can get you can get head rigs. You can they're heavy, but they're expensive. Or they're heavy, yeah, but. I can see why most people love GoPros because they're mm. like for family holidays yeah. and stuff it's like that. It's like a cheap, stuff. it's a cheap, yeah. Good, like, don't get me wrong, it's a nice camera. Like, some of the images mm. that come out of them, and they've got this new stable thing that come out, that's come yeah, out, yeah, yeah, which is actually really, really good. But my problem with it is, if you're a professional filmmaker, mm-hmm. or even if you're not, if you just want to get really good shots, don't get a GoPro. Save your money for yeah. a, a nice underwater camera. housing. Yeah, save your money for the nicest. Most expensive underwater housing you can find for your camera. Because you get this horrible <laughs> fisheye effect yeah. where it's all wide angle and you're like... That's oh, the only thing. That you can turn it off, yeah. but it's still distorted because it's, mm. it's trying to like fix how the lens is built mm. and there's no way around it. Once you've watched GoPro, like, GoPro footage is also really like flat all the yeah. time. Oh yeah, It's never got good dynamic range. It's so difficult to color grade that stuff. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever tried to color grade like GoPro footage, it's like y- you can see the noise before you've even done anything. It's horrible. But I mean, I'm not really slagging them off because no, it's, th- it's such a small camera. Yeah. They did a great job, but it's, like it's just... There's like plenty of potential in a yeah. GoPro. It's just not used... Like, if they made a GoPro that was like a 
full frame sensor. Mm. It was like the new DJI one that came out. I'm not sure if that's full frame, but that looks like a bit of a better version than the GoPro. Right, yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's still like an action camera. Yeah. But like, and I, I think action cameras are just, you know, it's kind of gimmick to be honest. Mm. Like, I think if someone makes a camera that is as good as my like 300 grand, 300 grand, three grand uh, DSLR, yeah, and it's like this big, yeah. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's an interesting point. When it comes back to the equipment you have, it doesn't matter anymore in 2019 yeah. what equipment you have it because doesn't. everything's pretty damn good, right? It is. Maybe 40 years ago when you had to get mm-hmm. these massive cinema things. If you were like trying to make a film in the 80s and it was between your, like I don't know, 8mm um, Super 8 camera. Yeah. Or like a thirty-five millimeter yeah, camera that's like this big. Yeah. It's it's like night and day difference. But yes. now it's like today you can spend a hundred pound on a camera. There, there there are these videos online which I suggest people watch, which is like these red cameras, which mm-hmm. is what they use for Hollywood, versus iPhones, right? And they're yep. pretty much the same. If you're gonna start filmmaking, I'd suggest go on eBay, find a cheap DSLR, yep. like not a not an old one though. You don't want to get an outdated one because like then eighty D or something. Yeah, you want to get one that's fairly new. It has to have good like um mag- It has to have a good megapixel, nice <laughs> sensor. Well, you're right. I was uh, someone contacted me the other day because they wanted to get started with filmmaking, right? And they wanted some suggestions for cameras, mm-hmm. and I didn't suggest any DSLRs. Instead, I went for mirrorless because they're taking over. Mirrorless right is now. taken. To be fair though, because mirrorless is still such a new kind of camera it's like Technology, when DS- yeah. it's like when DSLRs came in yeah they're really expensive at the moment so if it was your first camera you might be put off yeah well I mean I mean their budget was like 400 pounds I mean uh, and so, and so I, I told them you can go for a Lumix G7 mm-hmm. which does like 4k not bad and it like it like it's insane the color quality or so you can get these uh what are they called today Canon m50s mm-hmm. yeah I know that that is probably the closest thing to the dream camera at the moment, not yes. the dream camera, because the dream camera is like a cinema camera that's too expensive for anyone to touch. Yeah. But this like Canon camera they made, it's mirrorless, yep. really small, does 4K, does 4K, great yeah. colors, great image. Yeah. Brilliant. You, you have no <laughs> excuse to make great no. looking films today. Like you can if buy so so cheap. I feel like yeah, if if you're gonna make a film, yeah, it's e- it's easy, as long as you put the time and effort well, into it. It's easy on the technical side. Yeah. When, when it comes to yeah. cinematography and writing and dialogue, you have to be good at doing that. Absolutely. Otherwise, if you don't, if you rush it, you have to take your time. If you rush writing, mm. if you rush cinematography, if you rush planning out shots, location, the whole, the whole like thing. What I wanted to touch up on was there's this point um, that someone brought up to me where they believe that Hollywood is is dying because the films that they're creating aren't as good as they used to be, mm-hmm. and there's no, no more hype about it, um, apart from like some Marvel films and stuff like that. But the views they're getting mm-hmm. is almost nothing compared to the YouTube community, where people on a regular basis can get like 10 million views on a video, and they won't even get that for, for films. Mm-hmm. I feel like YouTube and streaming services are the way it's going to end up going. Like That sounds really cliche thing yeah. to say, because I think everyone's saying that. Yeah. But I don't mean like Netflix. I think Netflix is going to die out in a few years. Just really? Like, just like Blockbuster did. Okay. Hear me out. <laughs> right. right. I want to hear. Netflix, you have to pay for a subscription. Yep. Every other like streaming service, you have to pay for the subscription. Yep. YouTube's free. Okay. So, 
Well, YouTube is kind of killing itself in that it in that respect. In that, that way, you have to pay for premium. You have to pay for premium and all that. But I feel like if someone, not not the CEO of YouTube right now, because she's kind of screwing her on her, but <laughs> if someone got the reins of YouTube, yeah, they got rid of the whole paid platform thing. Because I don't think I've ever used it once, mm. and I've used YouTube since I was like a little kid. Yeah, get rid of the paid platform. Mm. Everything's free. I don't think keep ads. Keep yeah, ads are the way. Like everyone's making money on YouTube, so you have to keep those. Well, sponsors is really sponsors and ads are the only like ads are kind of to be fair. You they don't used make, to be you, the you way. don't make no no you used to you can't make much money off ads you can't anymore because I mean ad advertisers are, uh, YouTube's weird. Okay, let's not get into YouTube politics. Let's not get into the politics. We could it. fall down a rabbit <laughs> hole and never escape. But I feel like streaming services like YouTube, maybe not YouTube, because YouTube's kind of killing itself. And I know a lot of users on YouTube right now don't want to use YouTube anymore. Cause really? Or a lot of big users as well, because they're kind of they're done with how they're just treating the creators. They're always playing to the advertisers. Well, my problem with YouTube is the Article 13 nonsense that the European Union yeah, came up with. Yeah, that's also a big... Because a big, uh, that, that's up. a problem. Cause it, is a hub, cause it is a huge problem. Because that's taking away from a huge community it of is. people based on some copyright claims. Really. I, think, I think YouTube is the biggest platform for anyone like get started, get started yeah like but not even for people who want to get started just like want to get started in any kind of genre of any not genre like any sort of mm. hobby i mean career it, the reason i love youtube is because i've learned everything about filmmaking from youtube so have I. and not only that if you want to learn a new language you go to youtube if you want to learn a new skill you go to youtube it's the best free platform for you to use to learn things that's why i think it's going to thrive but I also think someone else is going to come and do a much better job than YouTube. See, I think online courses are taking over. I'm, I'm such a big believer that online courses are taking over because they're higher quality than YouTube. And yes, you have to pay a small amount, but you're getting such good quality I feel like for skills. material things like cinemas, stores, like actual physical stores, mm. they're gonna, there's not going to be a need. It's a shame because cinemas are such a great thing. Cinema, like, look, cinemas are probably... The coolest experience ever. Yeah. Especially when it's a nice cinema. I don't mean like mm. trendy new ones because they're a bit crap. Like we're talking I about mean, retro. Yeah. Like have you ever have you ever seen a building, drove past it and thought, that would be an amazing cinema. Look look at that building. <laughs> All the time. I think <laughs> I, I think I think we should bring outdoor cinemas back. Yeah. Bruh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That, that'd be cool. Maybe we maybe we should start something like that. Yeah. I'm gonna but, but yeah, like company, I mean there's an example where the episode three of season eight Game of Thrones, which was like the, the most insane Game of Thrones episode, mm -hmm. it got, I don't know how many million views, but it got the same as some YouTubers' videos. Exactly. And it's like, uh, that okay. If that's not a big kind of nudge towards everyone in the industry mm. right now. But think about it. Like like films and, films and TV series, they have such huge budgets and they still get the same views as YouTube, whereas YouTube budgets are like... Nothing. YouTube what? budgets are nothing or non-existent in some cases. So, so you'd think people would want to put their money into YouTube where they're getting the same amount of views. Yeah. For l less money. For less money. But it's also a big risk if you're a CEO of, yeah. let's say, HBO. You're going to move everything over to YouTube now. That's a big risk because no one's ever... I think once one company... Yep. Once one... Maybe it's a film company, maybe mm -hmm. it's a, like a, produ a TV production company. Mm. Once one does it successfully... Yeah. They're all going to follow. Yeah. Moving on from, like, film films. Ha it's a creative journey 
to start a film, to write mm-hmm. a film, to to execute it, to edit it. Yep. Where do you get the first idea for a film, and how do you develop an idea? I feel like the first ideas for me, or, just or, or not just for films, like like any, any anyone who's creative and wants to put wants make to some sort of content. Yes, exactly. Right. First ideas, like mine. I don't sit down at a table. I I can't sit down at a table mm. with like a piece of paper in front of me, and then someone has has to like ask me and go, oh. Want me an idea for a film? I can't. I can't. I can't do that. I yeah. can't just make them up on the spot. Yeah. It happens naturally. Mm. I say that weirdly because it's not natural at the same time. Mm. I'll be walking my dog. Suddenly, oh, well, that's an amazing idea. And then my mind just starts running with it. Yeah, that's how I first initially come up with an idea for something, and then you build upon that, like planning, yeah. writing, yeah. so on and so forth, and then you have a film. Mm. But initial ideas are like they just happen sporadically. Like yeah, for for me, the best film ideas for me come out of real things that happen in life. Mm-hmm. Because for, for for me at least, the best films are films that are realistic. Yeah, right. So things that could actually happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I use the Green Book for example as a film, and it's such a great thing because it the whole thing is based on human emotion and how different people interact with different people. Um, and I, uh, you know. It's someone everyone can connect with and, and, and see and, and like, damn, it works. Because um, most things are emotion-based, you know, mm-hmm. friendship, relationships, you know, any business ventures, like, your emotion is completely like Especially when you started, to even, even just an idea for yeah. a film or anything, once you're invested yourself into that idea, yeah. it's an emotional process to get from the initial completely, idea completely. to the end film. And then when you get the end film... Mm. It's a whole. It's a whole another thing to try and put it out there. Do you, th- do you think there are any um, any hobbies to keep you creative or to make you creative? Because because ah. there are some people who just aren't creative at all. I found when I first like kind of fell into making films and stuff. Mm. I. It's gonna be weird. You're not gonna expect it. Okay, so go on. I used to do like a lot of kind of messing around in the in my grandparents' garage when I was like younger. Okay. Hear me out. This is going to get really <laughs> weird. <laughs> All right. And I used to like just make things out of like blocks of wood. Yeah. Like I'd make like planes and stuff. Yeah. Like with my granddad. And then like I just started and I just ended up like going to my granddad's do it myself. While mm-hmm. I was in the garage, I like it's just like really quality time to think. Because you're, you're whittling away at a piece of wood. It's going to take ages. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely ages. You've got like at least a day to just think about whatever you want. Yeah. Now that could go one of two ways. It could go negative thinking, like obviously anxiety, stuff like that. Yeah. Throw it out the window if you don't want that. You want to come over and like just let your mind run over things. Okay. So like, I found out that I can come up with ideas about random things when I'm just like not even thinking about it. So mm-hmm. I'll be making I don't know I'll be making something like a plane out of wood. Okay. I'm standing there I'm whittling away at the wood and then all of a sudden, oh that would be a really that's a really cool idea. Well, someone should make a film about that. Oh. That's an interesting point that you were like building blocks, for example, because yeah, that's creating. I feel like creation comes from creation. What I'm trying to say right, yeah. is a convoluted way of saying it. You're either a creator of content or you're, or you're a consumer. Yeah. And there's two people in this world and that that is that. That is that, right? Yeah. It's the same with business owners. You're giving a service or you're going to a service. Yeah. Let's say you run a gym, right? You either create that service, you're the gym owner. Or you're the or person, you're the goes person to the gym. who goes to the gym. I feel like that's in all walks of life. No matter what industry you're in, no matter what you're mm. doing, there's always... The person, the creator, cr- the creator, the person that's actually doing it, yeah. And there's the people that want to consume what the person's created, mm. 
But then again, it's a two-sided thing because if these people weren't consuming it, then the creator would have nothing. Yeah, that's so true. Both people are so we important. It's, it's good to have, have both. Oh, absolutely. I, c- yeah, I completely agree. Don't beat yourself up about it if you're not creative. Do you think it's a natural thing for people to be like creative, like it's just a thing you're born with, or do, or do you think it's something that's developed? I think both, to be honest. Okay. Because I feel like some people just walk around and they're like, they can just, oh, that's a brilliant idea. That's beautiful. That's a brilliant idea. And they just walk around and see things differently. Mm. Like, say, for Quentin Tarantino, I think that man walks around with four films in his head, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. And then I feel like people like him, they mm. were born with it. That's just how they are. Well, the way I think, I, I think most people, if not all people, are born creative. Yeah. Like kids are just creative. But they just have to find it. Look at kids in the playground, right? Mm-hmm. Their, their imagination has gone wild. Everyone. They think like ladders are like. I feel like as you get I older, know. I feel like as you get older, your creative kind of, your creativeness wears off. Sometimes for some people. And then others, people that do creative mm. jobs, filmmaking, like making things. So maybe it's just like down to your environment yeah. and what you, you've experienced because you might have some people who say, all right, grow up now. Like exactly. this isn't real. That's why I also feel like it's both because if you're not a creative person per se, say you're like, I don't know, average Joe who works in an office and does this and that. Creative people are and just people who didn't yeah. want to grow up. Exactly. <laughs> to be honest, like I'm always going to be a kid and that's it. <laughs> yeah. But like, say you're the average Joe, you, you're like doing your daily job and I give you a camera and go, oh, go make a film. Mm. And they go and have like, the time of their life making a film. Yeah. I feel like anyone can can be creative. They yeah. just need the tools and someone to kick them up the ass and be like, "You're creative now, so go do it." They also need the time. Yeah. Well, that well, it's the same with getting anything done. Is that if you have a bit of a pressure applied to you, mm-hmm. you're gonna get it done. And this is there's this guy who I follow called Eric Ho, and he's great. Are you able to press the record button? He's great because he he talks about um, if people had a gun pointed to their head. Mm-hmm. They'd get a lot of shit done. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's great. That's a great thing to say. Is it's yeah, true. Is it? It's a hundred percent true. You sort of need pressure in life to get to get things done. It's not a bad thing having pressure pushed against you. I also feel like some people don't try at everything. So, like, okay, if you're not going to try in your daily average life of yeah. you, you like say you've got just a job, mm. you're never going to succeed in like a creative industry. Yeah. If you I feel like creative people will always work harder than everyone else, no matter what they're doing. Mainly because that's just built into them. That's certainly true, because when we're talking about creative, we keep talking about Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or someone. Mm-hmm. But Steve Jobs, let's take him for example, he was probably doing like 80 plus hours a week when he started Apple, right? Just in his garage. Mm-hmm. And he was just working, 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 and he wanted to the design to be so beautiful and everything like that. And it's like, yeah. It sort of makes sense that if, if you have a creative mind, you're just going to work, yeah. work, work. If but it probably goes both ways because Albert Einstein mm-hmm. probably working crazy amounts. Yeah, trying yeah, to only slept like four hours every now and then. Just just yeah, just getting his ideas down. But I guess he, I guess he was a creative person. I yeah. feel like that guy was probably one of the most creative person <laughs> people that have ever graced the earth. <laughs> That's true, but we'll never know. Um, with films. When you watch a film, mm-hmm. the director always has a style. They do, and it's easy to. Wes pick Anderson up. has very symmetrical yep. lines. It's it's very. I don't know how to put it. When you watch, it's perfect. It's perfect in its weird way because it's also not perfect. Yes, but then there's also Quentin Tarantino who loves violence in his film. And here's like I think I think Quentin Tarantino is like he thrives on not perfect. Wes Anderson, complete opposite. He yeah. thrives on perfect. 
feel like he's just got really bad OCD. Yeah. But Christopher Nolan has his own style. Really gritty, really down to earth. Yeah. But then, you know, we can also bring that down to YouTube as each YouTube, YouTuber has their own style. Yeah, you could watch a YouTube video, never seen any of their content before. Matt Diavella has, yeah. has, has his own sort exactly. of minimalist style and it's very good storytelling. Casey Neistat has his own Logan, weird, Logan quirky. Exactly. Yeah, no, like it's, yeah. it's weird. It's not everyone enjoys it. Yeah. But it's a style nonetheless. And what I've always been interested in is how do you find your own voice? How do you find your style? Because you're obviously you're you get influence from everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. you never have how your do you own know style. I feel like the question is how do you know you're not copying someone's style you've seen and not doing your style? Well the question is how do you find your own voice, that's, Josh? That's, that's <laughs> good. It's a very good question, Will. Um oh, I I don't know because I'm st- I feel like I'm still I'm still getting there. I'm still finding my own voice. Yeah. Um, but I think a good way to find your own voice is to find what you don't want to do. Yeah. So for me, I definitely want to stay away from slow motion B roll. Yep. I want to stay away from like these hypes in gimbals and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like to to get a style, the best way to create a style of filmmaking or video or whatever, mm-hmm. go to like the basics. So I mean, go as far back as you can. Best way to find a style in filmmaking, make an entire film and film. That way, you're pressed for time. You're pressed for, like, amount of footage you can actually film. You have to think about everything before you do it. Yeah. And that way, you'll find some sort of style. Mm. It's either that or just make a load of stuff and then one day you'll spell out something and be like, oh, that's really different to anything I've ever seen. Because, obviously, there are original people like Casey Neistat. Yeah. And then everybody copies Casey Neistat. Exactly. And then you have original people making their own travel vlogs mm-hmm. using well back in the day like there was yeah. what's his name Jay Alvarez and he was making his his films using drones and GoPros mm-hmm. and back in 2013 14 mm-hmm. it looked crazy people loved it but it's so saturated now on the internet yeah. that people don't yeah. care about drone I footage like in the Maldives the issue going back to like YouTube yeah the issue with YouTube right now you'll have one big creator mm. Casey Neistat can be an example of this yeah. everyone will now go out Buy Gorilla Pods, buy yes. AEDs, yeah, yeah, yeah. wear sunglasses with white rims around mm. them that they've spray painted. Like just try and replicate him as a person. This comes back to the responsibility because if you set yeah. a good example, like people are copying these creators. I feel like unintentionally, Casey Neistat has painted this perfect picture of his life yeah. that everyone wants. So now everyone yeah. thinks, if I do exactly what he's done. But if you actually look back at his whole story, He's had the shit. He, he's he's gone through a lot of yeah. shit, and that's he's the reason the why he's succeeding yeah. right now. Because you know he, he, he didn't start YouTube no. thinking he'd make lots of money or anything. He just like started that. it because he, he loved didn't making yeah. films. He didn't want to be in the industry anymore, yeah. so he thought, "What's the next best thing? I'll just go to this new platform that's just starting, yeah. and we'll see how that goes." He took the yeah. a really big risk, mm. and it and paid off for him. And I think that that's key as well. You need to get on new stuff. Yeah. You need to evolve. It's like pod- podcasts like right now yeah. are hot. They right. are the thing. And and it's like the fastest growing platform ever than YouTube or something crazy like that. Yeah. And it's like, all right, I was like, I need to get on this yeah. now. If you if you if you wait, then you'll be at the bottom of the pile and you'll be another person trying to replicate yeah. someone. If you get on it first, then you're gonna be the one everyone's trying to copy. But there's also a bit of a a balance here. Mm-hmm, you could mm-hmm. jump on the wrong thing and end up doing it for years and no one's gonna notice. Or you could jump on the right thing. It's understanding well, you've got to try when. It's, yeah, it's understanding when to take a risk. Because, like, obviously, I'm not going to go and start making films on vi- Vimeo. Like Vimeo, yeah. Vimeo. That's, I can't, I've never been able to say it. <laughs> Vimeo. There we go. 
I'm never going to go and like jump onto that after being on YouTube because yeah. that's just a crap version of YouTube. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's for more like people uploading their professional work. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you wouldn't ever use LinkedIn over Facebook, no. but it's for professional yeah. use. Yeah. But like you know what I mean? Like it's a completely different ballpark. But it's knowing yeah. whether you should jump from a film to YouTube or YouTube to film or what whatever it may be that you're yeah. doing. Yeah. It's like, would you prefer to be a YouTuber or would you prefer to do professional freelance work? It's which, yeah, mm. I feel like sit down, have a think. Which yeah. one is more glamorous to you? Yeah. And my problem, I started a YouTube channel, what, like three, four years ago? Mm-hmm. And the reason I stopped was because at some point I was like, I'm not being myself anymore. Yeah. It's I like I'm, ju- I'm just copying way too many people. And I that's the exactly thing. What you, mean. you need to, you need to be original, but the at the same time be interesting. The difficulty is being original without someone rubbing off on you and you're copying them unintentionally. Mm. It's hap- it ha- can happen. Yeah. Like you can watch someone's YouTube videos daily and then be like, oh, unintentionally in your brain, you think, oh, this is my thing that I'm doing mm. right now. You're just co- copying what they've done. Yeah. And, it, and it's like the people who are doing best on YouTube today mm-hmm. are the They're original, original. people. Yeah. They're the original people. In filmmakers, it's yeah. Casey Neistat and Peter McKinnon who exactly. are doing really, really well. They, they came in and they were like, oh, this here's is what I've style. learned. Yeah, here's what I've learned from being a filmmaker for 10 years. Mm. I'll try this YouTube thing if it, you know, if it doesn't work out, whatever. But it obviously does because they've, they've had time to develop their style and they've jumped on and now they've got a following. What's interesting, and this doesn't just go, f- go for filmmakers, mm-hmm. this goes for everyone. If you want to change the world, yeah. right, if you want to make... If you want to be the best at something and change the world, you need to do your own thing. Yeah. And the way sense. I think about it is imagine going to university or college, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got no textbooks, yep. no teachers, okay. but there's an exam at the end. Yeah. You just need to figure it out. You need to figure out that exam. And <laughs> that's the way you've got to think about yeah. it. You've got you've to do all the revision in between getting there. But you have no idea and what to revise. You just don't know what you're revising yet. Yeah. And that's, I, I feel like, and if you're not, an independent person who can think for themselves and like come up yeah. with their own things. Yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna do anything ever. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, no, it, it's certainly true. Yeah. Oh, I think it's turned itself off. The camera's turned yeah. The camera's off. We'll just use camera's this off. camera. We're using my we'll camera. We'll use camera A. Hello. For the rest of this. We'll still here, I promise. Okay. So I mean some some other points that we've got written down here is how to get jobs. So someone who's starting out as a freelancer, this doesn't just go for filmmakers, graphic designers, artists, uh, I don't know if you're selling websites or social media marketing or whatever. I feel like this is this is a question that has two parts. Go on. First part being, or try it first. Before you want to get a job from it, why don't you actually try and enjoy it first? Mm-hmm. If I went into filmmaking and straight away was like, oh, I just want to use this to make money, mm-hmm. I would have fallen out of love with it instantly because it would have just been another job. Yeah. Firstly, you've got to do it, actually show the, prove to yourself that you can do it, not anyone else. Forget about everyone else for a yeah, second. Yeah. You've got to prove to yourself you can do this thing and that you enjoy this thing and that you're not only doing this thing to get money. Mm. If you're going into something, especially creative, trying to get money from it, like if you're going into it for that reason, yeah. you'll never succeed. You need, to, you need to go into it as, I need to do this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then the money will come after. Well, yeah. Starting out, money is the biggest problem. It is. And both me and you had the same job. We worked we together did. in a coffee shop. We did. And that's it. You, it, It's so hard to get started. It is. But 
that doesn't mean you shouldn't you should get, get started. Exactly. <laughs> like and like working a nine to five job is just part of the process. I feel like it's easy to make excuses why you can't do yeah. things. You can't just quit your job and follow and your dreams. Yeah. That that's that that's doesn't not exist. how life works. That Sorry, doesn't guys. exist. That's but the films. You should get some sort of nine to five yeah. job or boring job to just so you can get the money in. Get financially stable on your own. Yeah. It doesn't matter how crap it is. I was a pot wash for a year of my life. Yeah. Just so I could buy film equipment. Yeah. And here I am. I'm making films. I'm doing it so far. I'm not there. I'm not at the end goal. Nowhere near it. Mm. But I'm I'm getting there. Like I'm doing it. Yeah. It's a, it's the same here. Like obviously I'm doing freelance work now and I'm working on the podcast and YouTube channel. But working at a coffee shop for over two years mm-hmm. paid for the equipment. Exactly. And to I get to this point. And I invested it. If you think about it, your relationship with money has to be put your money into stuff that will make you more money. Exactly. You have to think about it or logically. Well, the way Casey Neistat put it was don't make films to make money. Yeah, make, make money, money to, to make, make films, films and then the rest will follow. Mm. Which is true because if you make if you make something, like I said, if you make something to try and get money out of it, yeah. You failed, you failed already. already. You're going into it with the wrong mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, coming back to like the regular jobs that people have to work, like I think it's just it's always part of the process. You have to do something you hate to find something you love. You can't just find something you love. Yeah, I feel like, or, if or if you do, you're yeah. the luckiest person alive. Yeah, I know. If you if you accidentally fall into your dream job and you're like, oh, oh. I'm a film director now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Which great. just never happens. It's not going to happen, sorry. But if it did, great for you. Most of us, if not everyone, you've got to... If you don't find something you hate, how can you find the opposite? Mm. Something you love. If you don't find something you love, how can you find something you hate? That's a damn good point. So, like, if you, if you realise that working at a coffee shop for two years mm. is the worst thing ever... Yeah. But you also have this thing on the side called filmmaking, which is amazing. Suddenly, that becomes yeah. the best thing ever. When you do it, you feel really yeah. happy that you have it. And it, it's hard work getting your name out there. But I tell you what, like you have to come up with new ideas constantly. So I started off uh, with with a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. We started our own company. Yeah. And we were getting no jobs. I'm talking yeah. no jobs at all. And it was because all we did was email people to ask yeah. if they were interested in videos. And it's the equivalent to people coming up to you in the street saying bye, bye, bye. Yeah, and you're like, right. oh, I'm all right, go yeah, away. Go away. But you have to think about it from their perspective, if you want to sell something to someone, mm-hmm. you have to go, okay, if I were a company and I wanted a video, what's the process? So for me, it would be go on Google, yeah, type, in video, type in video do production do do. in your area. Okay, So that makes me go, okay, maybe I should invest in some Google ads so that people will find me. Exactly. Next step, get a website, mm-hmm. right? Because people need to see your work. They how they, they going to see it if they type in Google video production Absolutely. and you're not there? <laughs> but it's other things. It's small things like having a business card. So when you're on set, yep. people contact you. You look professional handing a business card over. Yeah. It has to be a good business card, obviously, if it's just like got a smiley face on it and you've wrote it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I was doing right at the start. Um, when I started this process over a year ago was uh, if people came to me on set and said, I have a video. Um, could you do a video for me? Yeah. You'd write down your number. You'd, you'd write down your number on a piece of paper yeah. and it just looks crap. so bad. Because like if they then refer you to someone, they're like, oh, does he have a card? And they give them that scrap of paper and mm. then it's like, oh, you know what, never mind. If he's given us scraps yeah, of paper, he can't yeah, be that good. Because first impressions really count. They do. I feel like business cards are a, are a thing, mm. definitely. Yeah. 
But if you're going to invest all your money into business cards and hope that something comes out of it, it's, it's a horrible idea. Don't do it. Yeah. Business cards are something you should have in your pocket. They mm. should be disposable. They should be like, if if you lose them, whatever, oh, mm. you get more. But like, business cards shouldn't be what you rely on to get money. Oh no no. Or like and put yourself out there. You should never rely on like word of mouth or, no. or, or business cards. I feel or like flyers. it's the same thing about once. I, once I watched this podcast or I heard I heard this somewhere. I don't know where I heard it, but it's if you want to succeed, you have to have different sources of income coming in at all times. Oh, for sure. Same thing with putting your name out there. Yeah. If you want to succeed, you have to have different sources of putting your name out there. Definitely. So business cards, website, YouTube, whatever it is. Podcasts, do it all. Yeah. Do everything, and then eventually one of them is going to going to catch on but but the thing as well is if you're juggling a couple of things so if, if you're if you're in a podcast youtube mm-hmm. channel doing all courses or whatever not well there's that as well but if one thing grows the other thing grows exactly so if, if you're especially podcast if you grows, link them all yeah if you get listeners on your podcast you can direct them to your youtube channel if you, you get you direct if them if to you your business absolutely and then suddenly you're a billionaire well done you've made it at life well so what i wish it, that it that's, that's that the dream but like it's not gonna like you get on trying to say <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But but yeah, um, who are some of your favorite creators? I'm not talking about film directors anymore. Mm-hmm. Who are your favorite creators right now? Oh God, just in general. Yeah. Um. Wow. Uh, there's a guy called Virgil Abloh. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be really weird because I don't know. If it, basically, he's like an artist. Yeah. But he's like, kind of made it into. From being an artist yep. to being like a, a clothes, I don't know what, you, a clothes designer. Okay. Right. So now he's working with Nike. and he, For the past few years, he's made like some of the most expensive Nike shoes ever. Mm. It's called like the Off, he owns Off-White. Do you know, you know okay, yes. Yeah, he made Off-White <laughs> basically. So he was an artist and then he just started painting on shirts and stuff and he like started selling them because he thought it looked cool. Damn. He got his inspiration from like uh, a building and like, I can't. I can't think of the word I- industrial. That's okay. that's his theme. Yeah. And he just he takes everything and like does it as an artist. So he'll he'll get a shoe from Nike, like a Jordan mm. or something, mm. and he'll he'll look at it like an artist. He'll be like, oh, I'll paint it this color. I'll, I'll rip these bits off and like fold it all up. Yeah. He's a, an amazing creator because he. J- I feel like he just spews out stuff all the time. Because like, I don't know. He's he's just. He seems like someone who looks at something like in industrial, mm. and then spits it out on something else, and it looks. Sick. Yeah. Another amazing career I could think of. Oh, I don't know. I have to go with like music. There's a guy called um, Matty Healy. Okay. He's the front man of a band called Nineteen Seventy Five. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, yeah. Like they're really poppy now, but like they, he used to be a bit cooler. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, he is like a really big like dramatic artist mm. like he'll put mm. so much thought into something yeah and like put involve so much of himself into something yeah he i feel like those two people there might be some of my favorite like just creators in general yeah for me for me it's number one is matt diavella right brilliant because <laughs> because he puts so much meaning into his videos yeah and, and i think youtube is Starving mm-hmm. for meaningful and purposeful I feel like material. If you put yourself into something, like if you really pour yourself into something, yeah, people eat it up. Like, yeah, I made one video called I think it was Sharon Not Caring, mm. and um, it might be one of the best videos that I've ever put out. Mm. Mainly because I know that I, th- I that was fucking brilliant that I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and it's like the only film that I could look at in the past like year and be like, oh wow, I'm really proud, proud that I made that. Yeah, and it's also people fucking loved it because it was my full like idea. Yeah, like I invested so much of myself into being in that idea, mm. and then it ended up just going. It was brilliant. Yeah, and it sounded really big headed. I'm sorry. Well, when, you, when, <laughs> when you're creating content, it's it's great to love your work, but there are some times where you just you don't like your work, but you ha- you upload it anyway. I feel and yeah. N- I keep saying it, but like some content is better than no content. It is, but at the same time, I get I do I have this this has happened to me many a time. Like you make a full whole, for example, YouTube video, mm-hmm. it's like. It was brilliant. You thought it was amazing, yeah. and you get to the end, you watch it, and then you just think, "No, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm not gonna put that out." Like it's happened to me before. I think I've probably got at least like ten videos mm. that are sat on my computer at home. And they're never gonna go anywhere. Yeah, like I've, I've put a f- like a few weeks' works into them. Mm. For like sure. Then I ended up just going, you know what? I could probably do better here and there and there and this mm. and that. And you start picking it apart, and then you just end up going, "No, I'm not gonna upload it." I'll tell you what's funny. Before the po- before the podcast started, me and you both agreed that we hate slow motion B roll and these gimbal movements and and these fancy whip transitions. It's like easy to do though. Well, I mean, it takes some skill to do it. Yeah, and I respect that, but there's no meaning to these videos. Mm-hmm. And when you create a video where there has no meaning or purpose, it it just looks fancy. Yeah. It's like people are going to switch off. Yeah. And that I think that's why people like Matt Devella right now are thriving. He, yeah. Because he puts so much purpose into it's his so videos like that people it's need to so hear. Real as well. Like it's not just, oh, I'm on a mountain. It's in slow mo. Yeah, when you like put your hand around yeah. in slow motion in the it's sun. Like, so yeah. And then like it just like fades mm. into like Have you uh, heard of Sam Calder? Pretty much, yeah, him. Right. Just so in general. <laughs> well he I watched he put out like a ten minute video about his brother's yes. death. This is what I wanted to talk about because I've seen it and I I, Fantastic. I thought it was brilliant for the first four minutes when he was on about what he made the video about. Yes. And then it just turned into B-roll. <laughs> yeah. See, Sam Calder has, has had an interesting perspective on filmmaking because he started off doing these... Well, he worked for the Chainsmokers for a bit mm-hmm. and he was c- producing their content and he was working his ass off, right? And then he did this tap <laughs> just the typical s- substandard... L- not substandard, but yeah. B-roll yeah. clips that look... You know, we've seen it all before, but he addressed that Mm -hmm. and he said, I haven't been happy with the work I've been doing. Mm -hmm. I'm not happy that this has no meaning or purpose Mm -hmm. to it. And then he released it like a documentary he did with Vetpaw. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was amazing. Like he does some amazing work filming, filming those stuff. And then he's working on a documentary now with Yes Theory and stuff like that. I feel like when he, like, obviously he just makes random travel videos that are like, oh, I went to Paris. And it's loads of crap about Mm. Paris. It's just slow mo but I feel like when there's meaning to it, yeah, it's much it's much like better content yeah. to watch. And I think he's moving in the in yeah. the right direction because he's not he, only he's yeah. got the visual side down. Don't get me wrong. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, none he of just us needs. We're, yeah. we're not slagging him I'm off. Not slagging he's him beating off. all of us. Don't get me wrong. He's like he could crush me with his little his little pinky finger. Like, but <laughs> yeah, he's like he needs to use the amazing visuals that he can get and he gets every time. Yeah, he just needs some sort some of meaning behind the visuals. Behind it, yeah. yeah. Like if you're making this because your brother died, like that was a really it was a powerful video. video. Yeah, it's it was a great video. It was it was good, but I, it kind of slipped for me at the end because like there was mm. a big gap where it just turned into random B-roll that didn't link to what he was saying. Mm. It didn't kind of, kind of it it, it it took me out of it a bit. Yeah, 
I mean, he's getting yeah. there. He's getting there. Oh, like yeah, he. I respect him as a filmmaker, and he he put so much effort into his work, and you know, the fact that he he wants to put meaning and substance into his videos, it it shows that it, he, it will yeah. change his channel for sure. Like he's, he's gonna get so big. Yeah. Well, it's, already, well, it's already huge. He's already he's already like in in the millions. Mm. This guy, this guy is like he's gold now. He's he's gonna get there. Trust me. I feel like yeah. he could be one of the most subscribed YouTube channels. Yeah, probably. Like yeah, but yeah. he could be up there. Yeah. Well, he he's doing work with Yes Theory at the moment. I don't know if you watch Yes Theory. I do watch. They're yes literally theory. my favorite. Same. To watch. You watch one video and then you're hooked. Yeah. Every video has yeah. meaning. Yeah. Exactly. That, that that's the point we come back to. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to finish the podcast off in that if you create content, no matter what you're doing, that has meaning, that has purpose, mm -hmm. you're always going to win. Don't buy into trends. Don't buy into people telling you what you should Don't do. Don't cater to an audience. That's the Absolutely. worst thing you can do. So we're going to sign off with, give me some advice, Josh. To people listening who want to be creative, who want to start something, whether that's uh, drawing mm -hmm. or painting or uh, you know filming, writing, mm -hmm. whatever Anything. it is. I'd say do what you think is the best. Like, make the best thing you think is the best. Don't, like, if you blocked everyone out and you made something and then you thought that was brilliant, then put it out and then everyone will love it. You need to invest yourself into something for someone yeah. to invest their self. You have to have belief it. into yourself, yeah. for sure. Um, that would probably be it. Okay. Give yourself, like, don't hold yourself down. Okay. I want to ask you one more thing before the podcast starts. Okay. Uh, finishes. Is Hollywood dying? Are films dying? Is Our YouTube taking dying. over? Okay. YouTube's not taking over from films right now. Yeah. Mainly because of, I mean, all the, like, the Marvel stuff and like big yeah. franchises like that. Where do you see films going in the next 10 years, though? Next 10 years? Streaming. No okay. More, no more cinemas. Maybe, like, I don't see the point in a cinema if it's just going to be streaming. Mm. But I feel like the way up is streaming. That's the way it's going to go. Is Hollywood dead? It used to be alive. There are still some things that slip through the net, like I said earlier, but... I mean... Hollywood, I don't, I Hollywood's full of paedophiles. Yeah, I mean, well, Harvey Weinstein. Um, no, I feel like Hollywood isn't dead yet, yeah. but it's killing itself. Yeah. I'll end on that because that was really deep. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Next episode is next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And if you listened on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating. It really, really helps uh, support the show when you do that. Uh, you can also check out Josh's work by heading on over to his Instagram at Josh J. Esteban or head on over to YouTube, uh, sorry, his YouTube channel, Videos by Josh. As always, if you have a business or know someone who does, get in contact with me at screenstone.com. Get your own professional video content. Stay tuned for episode six where I talk to Peter Hitchman, a DJ slash marketing expert as well as previous charity fundraiser and current athlete, but I won't say which sport. You'll have to listen to the podcast for that. Pretty interesting. We talk about money mentality, following your path, and that leading to new opportunities down the road, as well as how important is your upbringing when it comes to success, tips on how to become more confident, and how to properly help people uh, around you with depression. Loads of really meaningful content coming your way in that episode. Stay tuned. I'll see you next week. Or, well, I might release it tomorrow. We'll see. Stay tuned.